If you're enjoying this Med Prep to Go Step 1 podcast, you can now get the content along with the content of the Crush Step 1 podcast ad-free in one bundle. Just go to medpreptogo.com and find our new subscription podcast called Med Prep to Go Step 1 Bundle. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Ted O'Connell with the Med Prep to Go podcast. In this episode, we'll be covering three pathology questions. These questions are narrated by Alex Conway, one of our excellent medical students who actually created all three of these questions. So take it away, Alex. My name is Alex Conway, and I'm a third year medical student at Geisel School of Medicine. Pathology question 34. A 45-year-old woman presents to her primary care physician for evaluation of joint pain and fatigue, which has been present over the past six months. She states that it takes her an hour to gain full mobility of her fingers in the morning, which makes it difficult to button her coat. Her past medical history is significant for atrial fibrillation, for which she takes flecainide. Vital signs are significant for a temperature of 99 degrees Fahrenheit, 37.2 degrees Celsius, and are otherwise within normal limits. Physical examination reveals bilateral swan neck deformities of the fingers, and serum studies indicate a positive rheumatoid factor. Which of the following describes the most likely appearance of this patient's affected joints? A. Monosodium urate crystal deposition. B. Osteophyte formation with asymmetric joint space narrowing. C. Pencil and cup deformity with dactylitis. D purulent synovial fluid containing bacteria, or E, synovial hyperplasia with inflammatory panis. The correct answer is E, synovial hyperplasia with inflammatory panis. This describes rheumatoid arthritis, RA, a non-infectious inflammatory disease often accompanied by systemic symptoms such as fever, fatigue, and rheumatoid nodules. Note that while rheumatoid factor is a sensitive marker for RA, present in up to 90% of individuals with RA, it is not specific and may also be found in individuals with Sjogren's syndrome, systemic lupus erythematosus, polymyositis, and a small percentage of healthy individuals. Answer choice A, monosodium urate crystal deposition, is incorrect. This describes gout which is an inflammatory crystal deposition disease. Gouty attacks occur acutely and classically occur in the metatarsophalangeal joint of the great toe. Answer choice B, osteophyte formation with asymmetric joint space narrowing, is incorrect. This describes the typical changes of osteoarthritis, a non-inflammatory degenerative joint disease caused by mechanical wear and tear. The pain associated with osteoarthritis typically worsens throughout the day and improves with rest. Answer choice C, pencil in cup deformity with dactylitis, is incorrect. This describes psoriatic arthritis, which is a seronegative spondyloarthropathy. Psoriatic arthritis is associated with skin and nail changes and is typically localized to the distal interphalangeal joints of the hands. Answer choice D, Purulent synovial fluid containing bacteria is incorrect. This describes septic arthritis, 
which presents acutely as a red, swollen, and painful joint. It is most commonly caused by a gonococcal infection in someone who is sexually active. Key learning point. Rheumatoid arthritis is characterized by synovial hyperplasia with inflammatory panis formation and is often accompanied by systemic symptoms. Pathology question 35. A 75-year-old man presents to the emergency department for evaluation of shortness of breath, which has gotten worse over the last few days. Past medical history is significant for hypertension and left-sided heart failure. Medications include lisinopril, furosemide, and carvedilol. Physical examination is significant for elevated jugular venous pressure, lower extremity edema, and an S3 heart sound. Chest radiograph reveals bilateral pleural effusion. Which of the following describes the most likely composition of the effusion? Note that normal serum lactate dehydrogenase, LDH, is between 140 and 280 units per liter. A. Pleural fluid protein to serum protein ratio 0.15, pleural fluid LDH to serum LDH ratio 0.23, pleural fluid LDH 25. B. Pleural fluid protein to serum protein ratio 0.15, pleural fluid LDH to serum LDH ratio 0.23, pleural fluid LDH 400 units per liter. C. Pleural fluid protein to serum protein ratio of 0.15, pleural fluid LDH serum LDH ratio of 0.81, pleural fluid LDH of 25 units per liter. D. Pleural fluid protein to serum protein ratio of 0.75, pleural fluid LDH to serum LDH ratio of 0.23, Pleural fluid LDH of 400 units per liter. E. Pleural fluid protein to serum protein ratio of 0.75. Pleural fluid LDH to serum LDH ratio of 0.81. Pleural fluid LDH of 400 units per liter. The correct answer is A. Pleural fluid protein to serum protein ratio of 0.15. Pleural fluid LDH to serum LDH ratio of 0.23. Pleural fluid LDH, 25 units per liter. Pleural effusions caused by heart failure are transudative. Transudative and exudative effusions are distinguished by Light's criteria. An exudative effusion will fulfill at least one of the criteria, while a transudative effusion will fulfill none. The criteria are 1. Pleural fluid to serum protein ratio greater than 0.5. 2. Pleural fluid to serum LDH ratio greater than 0.6. And 3. Pleural LDH greater than two-thirds normal serum LDH. Answer choice B. Pleural fluid protein to serum protein ratio of 0.15. Pleural fluid LDH to serum LDH ratio of 0.23 and pleural fluid LDH of 400 units per liter, is incorrect. The LDH value is greater than two-thirds of normal serum LDH, and thus fulfills one of Light's criteria for exudative effusion. This patient's heart failure is more likely to produce a transudative effusion. Answer choice C. 
pleural fluid protein to serum protein ratio of 0.15, pleural fluid LDH to serum LDH ratio of 0.81, and pleural fluid LDH of 25 units per liter is incorrect. The LDH ratio is greater than 0.6 and thus fulfills one of Light's criteria for exudative effusion. This patient's heart failure is more likely to produce a transudative effusion. Answer choice D, pleural fluid protein to serum protein ratio of 0.75, pleural fluid LDH to serum LDH ratio of 0.23, and pleural fluid LDH of 400 units per liter is incorrect. The protein ratio is greater than 0.5, and the pleural fluid LDH is greater than two-thirds of normal serum LDH, thus fulfilling two of Light's criteria for exudative effusion. This patient's heart failure is more likely to produce a transudative effusion. Answer choice E, pleural fluid protein to serum protein ratio of 0.75, pleural fluid LDH to serum LDH ratio of 0.81, and pleural fluid LDH of 400 units per liter is incorrect. All three of Light's criteria for an exudative effusion are fulfilled. This patient's heart failure is more likely to produce a transudative effusion. Key learning point. Heart failure can result in a transudative pleural effusion, which fulfills none of Light's criteria. 1. Pleural fluid to serum protein ratio greater than 0.5. 2. Pleural fluid to serum LDH ratio greater than 0.6. And 3. Pleural LDH greater than two-thirds normal serum LDH. Pathology question 36. A 28-year-old man presents to his primary care physician for evaluation of night sweats and cough over the past two months. His past medical history is significant for Crohn's disease, which has been well-managed on infliximab. Vitals are significant for a temperature of 100.1 degrees Fahrenheit, 37.8 degrees Celsius, and a BMI of 21, which is decreased from 23 six months ago. Physical examination is significant for lymphadenopathy and crackles on lung auscultation. During the examination, the patient coughs and produces a small amount of blood-tinged sputum. Which of the following tests is most helpful in confirming the most likely diagnosis? A. Acid-fast bacilli stain of sputum. B. Bronchoalveolar lavage. C. Colonoscopy with mucosal biopsy. D. India ink stain of cerebrospinal fluid, or E, magnetic resonance imaging of the chest. The correct answer is A, acid-fast bacilli stain of sputum. This patient is showing signs of tuberculosis, likely as a complication of taking infliximab. Anti-tumor necrosis factor alpha, TNF-alpha, monoclonal antibodies such as infliximab predispose patients to infection, including reactivation of latent tuberculosis. This is largely due to the role of TNF in granuloma formation and maintenance. Answer choice B, bronchoalveolar lavage, is incorrect. This would be most useful in detecting pneumocystis giovecchi, a yeast that causes pneumonia in immunocompromised patients. It classically appears in patients with human immunodeficiency virus, HIV, infection, and a CD4 count under 200. Answer choice C, Colonoscopy with mucosal biopsy is incorrect. This would be useful in diagnosing Crohn's disease. Although this patient's Crohn's disease management may need evaluation, this test would not determine the cause of his pulmonary symptoms.
Additionally, the extraintestinal manifestations of Crohn's disease do not align with this patient's symptoms and instead include polyarthritis, uveitis, pyoderma gangrenosum, and erythema nodosum. Answer choice D, India ink stain of cerebrospinal fluid, is incorrect. This would be useful in detecting encapsulated organisms such as Cryptococcus neoformans, which can cause meningitis in immunocompromised individuals. Although this organism can also cause pneumonia, this patient's symptoms and medication history more closely align with the tuberculosis infection. Answer choice E, magnetic resonance imaging of the chest, is incorrect. Although an MRI may reveal apical densities consistent with this patient's infection, it will not confirm the causative agent. Additionally, it is resource-intensive and would involve unnecessary radiation. Key learning point. TNF-alpha inhibitors such as infliximab predispose patients to infection, including reactivation of tuberculosis, which can present with cough, night sweats, hemoptysis, and weight loss, among other symptoms.